1: Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Giannis Janais. This is our preview show of Burnley versus Fulham at Turf Moor. Boy, this is going to be a huge match for Fulham, and I cannot wait to get Giannis' thoughts on that. But before we do anything else, I have to welcome Giannis back to the show. Mr. Janais, how are you doing on this Tuesday? We're talking about the fact that we both have snow on the ground. It's a little depressing for me. But you know what? You know what makes it a little bit better. We can talk about Fulham after a Fulham victory. So let's yeah. start here. Give me your thoughts to get us going. I know I've done two shows on it, but I've not gotten your view. Your view of Fulham's massive victory against Everton. Let it rip.
2: That was immense, wasn't it? <laughs> it was absolutely. It was. It was a good old fashioned. What they say here in North America. A good old. You and I predicted Arsenal it, by the way. Yeah, we did. We, yeah, we predicted did. it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and I said I said it would be one, nothing. You said two one. <laughs> yep. Um, I thought that I mean Calvert Lewin not playing made a difference, obviously. But yes, it absolutely we, did. We, first have to be 90,
1: honest
2: we just we just we outplayed them, we outthought them. They looked a little flat. Um, I I did think that going up to Goodison Park playing without a crowd, it would be an advantage because yep. they're pretty rabid. And and we were just there were there were performances that I just I'm still I'm still shaking my head at Harrison Reed's incredible oh, performance. Ran the show as we said just ran on the, the show. It, it was his world and everybody else just followed him. Um, there wasn't anyone that didn't put in a a great performance. And they looked um, they looked a little dishevelled. I had a feeling that they, they had problems after the cup game against Tottenham, but uh, tremendous win now. Uh, we go and play a very different team. Up, uh, Completely place, different. Had, yeah. And we've had no lock up. We've had no glory up at Turf Moor, you know, for many years. And um, uh, Wednesday night kickoff, uh, 6 p.m. local time is going to be yeah. a very interesting game. Absolutely. Sure.
1: And let's see if history can be made twice by foam in less than a week. And uh, I have a good feeling about it, but I'll give my prediction in a little bit. And what's interesting, Janos, before we move on and we, talk about a, a topic that I want to get your thoughts on going back to the Everton match. you Like I said, you and I predicted this. We, we predicted a victory. And uh, I think you've already mentioned some of the reasons, you know, when you look at the Calvert-Lewin loss, it was massive, no crowd, again, advantage to Fulham. But here's the thing that surprised me because I was expecting a response from Carlo Ancelotti at halftime. I, I expected something similar that we saw from Sam Allardyce. At West Brom, you know, at halftime, he made changes. Because Fulham were really running the show. They didn't score, but they were controlling the match. What are your thoughts about what he did not do at halftime? Do you think, you know, it's funny, we were talking about this last night. Do you think they were a little arrogant, that Everton were arrogant, that they just thought that they could just win this match without really giving it everything possible like Fulham did you know again Fulham had all the energy they wanted it more but do you do you think that that this came down to a little bit of arrogance
2: i think i think we um i think we just i think we surprised them to okay be honest. I, I thought um the first it was sort of funny because in the first half we defended and closed space down like burnley we were we were we were hunting in packs and whenever you know, Rodriguez. I mean, Rodriguez. We we gave him some good, good old fashioned treatment first half. And Gomez, there was no place to turn, there was no space to move, and we were so quick to close space down that they they didn't have any time. And I think Ancelotti would have been really surprised by the, the venom which we came out with, um, and the fire that we came out in the first fifteen twenty. Um, and he might have been surprised by the the fe- the the, the, um, uh, the setup. And I think. Scotty Parker deserves our credit for this. He, he absolutely played, he, does. He played a, three, a back three, and I was wondering about this. And I think what he did is he, he figured, okay, if Calvert Lewin's not in there, the man is going to have to make the runs and the channels, uh, you know, and the routes, is going to have to be Richardson. Yeah. same player. I mean, he's, he's improved, but not the same player. And there was a result, really. You really saw the frustration when Seamus Coleman first half hit the hit that shot that hit the base of the post, and you could turn and him. He was he was yelling. I'm not sure he was yelling at to pass the ball, but that was the that seemed to indicate a lack of sync with their team moving forward. And even um in the second half, they just really seemed very monodirectional. Yeah. Um, they didn't have any plan B. No, um, they didn't at all. Dina Dina couldn't get any anything on that left hand side.
1: And you were very concerned about him going into the match. Yes, I, I was. remember when we did the preview, you were focusing on him. Yeah. And again, he was stifled. Mm-hmm. Completely stifled, Seamus Coleman, yeah. nothing, you know, and yeah. again, everything that we were concerned about going into the match, Fulham just took care of. And they, you know, and again, were the aggressor throughout the match. So that's what surprised me about this, you know, and, and again, I want to share this because I did see this Benjamin versus Cowell, very respectful of Fulham post match. And I believe that to be true. I'm just looking at the approach before, during the match. You know, during the match, you know, maybe he just thought that his team, he stuck with his plan and that eventually they would come to life and it would work out. And then eventually he had to react after the fact, after we scored the goal, that's when he reacted and made the changes. But maybe you're right, Giannis. Maybe he did not see what Scott Parker had planned for him. And that to me, you know, and and again, Carlo Ancelotti is a first class manager but maybe Scott Parker just, you know, had a very good plan and it took him a while. Or again, he was trusting his side that later on, you know, he figured they would figure it out, but then he had to adjust. And after he adjusted, we were already ahead.
2: Yeah, it's exactly right. I think, uh, you know, the results don't lie. I mean, we've had, we've put in some very, very, very good performances and we've not come out with a lot. Right. And if you look at the game against the spammers last week, we really should have won.
1: We definitely should have.
2: And we, you know, I suppose, I think Scotty probably said, look, we are where we are. Let's forget the table. But being in the Premier League is, is created for these moments. Yes. There's a place we've not come to for over six decades and got a win. It's not like we've got thirty-five, forty thousand. 40,000 you know evertonians you know screaming for blood it's an empty stadium let's have a go let's finally convert one of these because you guys have deserved the chance and i thought we were first first and 90 minutes i thought we were absolutely fantastic and um really ancelotti being the gentleman he is he had no choice but to admit that the, they were second best yes. to a Fulham side that that really wanted it more yeah that, that was that was
1: pure class at the end and, and i will admit that thank you Benjamin, for bringing that up. I was just really talking about before and during the match, you know, the approach. But as you're saying that maybe he just trusted his team and was surprised and it just, he probably figured, you know what, we're going to be able to figure it out without me having to make changes. And then he realized he needed to make changes. And uh, in, and at that point, it was honestly, honest, it was too late because yeah. we didn't change our approach. I'm talking about being on the front foot, the energy, all ninety plus minutes, they were in it to the end. And I know fans like to talk about the last ten minutes being nervy, and, and it was nervous for me. But the players were still giving it a hundred and fifty percent. They were still going at it, so they didn't change the way that they looked at it. They, you know, they had enough energy after running all over the pitch. You know, think of someone like Harrison Reed, Bobby Decadova Reed. How much room? He covered with with his pressing, all the pressing that they did, and they still had the energy in the end. I mean that to me is a testament to the players, also Parker and the staff to get in this team fit to play that way. So it all came it all came together. But like you said, Giannis, it was coming. As we were saying on the last show, we could feel it. The West Ham match was an indicator, okay, we're close. We're gonna we need to knock the door down. Well now they knocked it down. Now they completely knocked it down, they got the victory. Now what do you do moving forward? Because, again, we're going to talk about Burnley because this is a completely different kettle of fish and a completely different setup, how they're going to look at this match. I'm talking about Sean Deitch, who I have a lot of respect for. And it's going to be a difficult match, but it's one that I think Fulham are going to be up for the challenge, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes because we want to preview the match. But I do have a topic I want to discuss, and it involves... um, some guys on the sky on Sky Sports talking about Fulham after the match, and it happened to be our friend Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville. Now, what's interesting about this? You haven't seen this. I watched it this morning. It's on Sky Sports, and they were talking about Fulham's chances of surviving. And I understand because they were using numbers. This is something that Mike would do. Our friend Mike, great with numbers, and talking about how basically. They were giving two different scenarios. One, I believe Fulham ha- would have to have the eleventh best record in the final fifteen matches. But the more realistic one was going to be the ninth. And but they were the reason why both of them were going along that it was going to be very difficult for Fulham. And I understand this was they were focusing on Newcastle, Giannis, because they, you know Newcastle only needs a certain amount of points, and Fulham obviously need to play catch up here. And that Newcastle really don't need that many points to get to safety compared to Fulham. That's what they were focusing on, and uh, I get that. My counter to that is, and I believe Jamie Carragher even said that it would need to be something that we haven't seen for in a very long period of time. Giannis, I've already witnessed it. I've already seen it. The Great Escape. I've I've already, we've already been through this. I know it's possible and the thing about it is I, I wouldn't be feeling this way if I hadn't seen the performances. Now we've seen a result and I've seen us going in, in a positive way. I can actually see pe- people are asking me, why do you still f- feel confident? And uh, the part of the reason is, and it goes back to following other teams. You know, when you watch a team and you see things that give you reasons to be positive. I'll use even my own New England Patriots a few seasons ago when everyone was down on them, but I could see the defense was coming together at the very end of the season. They ended up winning the Super Bowl, Giannis, when no one really saw that coming. I kind of had a premonition because I was watching. I was watching between the lines, I guess you could say. I could see the progression. I see a similar progression with Fulham. Will it be enough? Only time will tell. But I understand where... These guys are coming. But when it comes to Carragher, this to me, for me, is about protecting his reputation. And I will use someone that you will know very well. Max Kellerman made a prediction that Tom Brady was going to fall off the cliff. And Stephen A. Smith went at him. And he did this partially because he had just come on a new show and he wanted to make this big take. Well, Jamie Carragher did one at the beginning of the season, Giannis. And he can't go back from it. So he has to go full on with this take. So fine, you're going to go full on with it. I just think that this is what we're going to hear. But you know what? It's all good, Giannis, because the players are going to hear it. Scott Parker is going to hear it. This is all fuel. The pundits can talk about the chances of survival. We can talk about it. It's all good because the players, like I said, can use it. Your thoughts.
2: Well, one of the reasons I think we've got a really good chance of staying up is that neither of those clowns are our manager. (laughs) I mean, we all all know what happened when Gary Neville went to Valencia. That was a train wreck. They're still picking up the bits from the side of the track. Um, I've got the the greatest amount of respect for Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville as former players. Um, You know, they were fantastic players and they were leaders. I don't think there's any question about that. But you can't make sweeping statements about a team four games into a 38-game season and think you know something. You know, it's um, because so much can go wrong. You've right. got to think of... It
1: started all the way back then. So, so there the is some history then. with Jamie Carragher. But as someone just said to me, and I'll share this, and and my friend Chris is right. They He did say we were playing well. He did say that. But again, they have this conversation a day after a huge form victory. Why are they doing it? Why are they... Focusing on phone because I think it goes back. This is just my opinion to what Carragher said back at the beginning of the season. They need to protect him, and they're going to have a conversation to show that he's still on. He's still on the right side right now.
2: Well, that we've conceded less goals than Liverpool. <laughs> we have, and that's not. And that's not my opinion. That's a fact. And if you look at um, what what happened with the, the the you know the nonsense of starting the season, I know we started recruiting later than any of us because of the the playoff win. Yes. But you, basically you look at that back four that started the season, he's had to bet in a completely new team, Scotty Parker. Absolutely. Still that confidence. And he's worked so hard on the field, you know, against public scrutiny. But what he said, you know, what he says after every game is, look, you know, pundits can say whatever they want, but I see these boys week in, week out. I see them on the training field. Even said I see that what today. They do. Yeah. I see what they do. And I have faith in what they do. And, you know, the pundits will have their say. The fact of the matter is we've been improving, you know, leaps and bounds with the odd hiccup. Um, You know, a couple of weeks ago, Leicester, uh, you know, I think we looked a little flat against Leicester and they schooled us, even with the casualties, the second on the table for a reason. Um, You know, we had, we've had um, opportunities to win games, uh, Brighton twice, Liverpool at home. We had the Man United hiccup, Newcastle United, yep. where we were robbed. Sheffield United, where we were rolled. You look at all these games, and you go, "Well, how did that?" Even against Leeds, we were four-one down. Bring it back to four-three. Could have tied it. Could look have how won it.
1: far they've come from that Leeds match. Yeah. Go all the way back there.
2: And look how far and, they've come. Yeah, and it's it's um I, I'm you know the begrudging play we're playing. Well, no, well you know I think um. Uh, it's been a, a monumental effort to get us where we are right now, right. and they can say whatever they want. But tomorrow is our game in hand. We're seven points behind. We right. the, we win the game in hand. We go four behind. What if they win? What if they win? We've got um, Sheffield United. I watched that game yesterday against um, um, the, the Spammers. Um, they looked miserable. How about um, Crystal
1: Palace? Youngs? Palace looked even oh.
2: more miserable against Burnley. They were, I mean, uh, the most one um, one player team. The biggest one-player team in the Premier League. It's is amazing
1: how much that team misses Zaha. Zaha it, it's yeah. it's like night and day, and it's funny because we're we're starting to see some of that. Yeah, We've he's... now seen it with Everton. I'm gonna say we you know we won't see it at the end of the season, but you're seeing it from Newcastle without without Cal yeah, Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. You're okay. So you're seeing that. What's great about us, even though we were missing, and uh, it's still early days to see if Maja is going to be that player to score his goals consistently. But we had all the other ingredients, I think to be a, a team that could stay in this league, missing out one player. And what's interesting, Danny Higginbotham here in the U S was on uh, Peacock at in NBC sports. And he basically was putting it on that. We basically had everything else except for that goal score. What if they have found the goal score? And then also, don't rule out Mitro playing a role. Cavalero playing a role. I We're not one-dimensional like these other clubs. That also gives me hope, Giannis, is that we've already shown that we can play different ways. I think that teams like Crystal Palace, I'm going to say it, even Everton, with how well they are and they have a talented side, how much they miss one player, how it affects them so much. And then you look at Newcastle newcastle i i think are going to struggle until he returns that to me is the difference between fulham because listen fulham have struggled to get the points but i think that you know and again i think they're finding their own identity even without a focal point but with a focal point i think it can take us over the top
2: and i'd even say russ you know if at the end of the season we get into a worst case scenario and we get relegated yep you can't blame scotty
1: no absolutely not he's
2: tried it and done everything possible and to, you can't blame the players the because no. the players have drunk the Kool-Aid. So um, you have to point fingers. And um, it's funny, and this this won't, probably won't interest the Fulham fans a, a lot, but I think it's pertinent. The, the big news here in North America, because the other club that Carnes own is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. And they recently hired a, a new head coach, Urban Myers, done brilliant in college football for any of you following but one of his first first hires was a strength and conditioning coach who's basically been turfed because of um, his uh, racist language, um, misogynistic views, treatment of players. Yeah. And when you first come into an NFL franchise, any professional franchise, the first hires that you have are critical because it is firstly because people notice it. Yep. And secondly, these are part of what becomes the team behind the face behind the, 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 the club. Exactly. It was a disastrous hire, and uh, to me that that points to a, a lack of attention to detail that Shahid Khan would actually go along with this hire on the basis of, well, he's my guy because I've worked with him for 20 years. Now, there's a, an acute lack of black coaches, not just in the NFL, yeah, but no, over, I, listen, over in England. I completely English agree. The, yeah. the Premier League championship, you name it. So, you know, I, I think it's something where, you, you know, they own AEW, they own full they own Jacksonville Jaguars, but for all the money that they've made, the franchises that they've owned, there has to be more scrutiny and more attention to detail. That, for me, was a terrible hire. If you look at yeah. this team, we were basically, um, Scotty was told, basically said, okay, screw it, you're going to go on five because you're going to get thumped. That Palace game when we lost 2-1 at home, it was 2 nothing until late. We were never in that game. And Scotty has done. He and his coaching team have done everything, and these players have given it everything and anything. Absolutely, honest. So I think if we get can fault the effort, that's right. But if we stay up, if we stay up, you have to say Scotty, the players, we're not worthy. If we go down, there's no way, no way you can blame these players or all those coaches. And I think it's. It's going to be topic for discussion at the end of the year, but it, yeah. I thought I'd bring that up because it, it's, as you know, you and I are football fans here yep. and it's a really concerning hire. Now he stepped down; The guy quit. That's right. Good. But why make that decision in the first place? It's all about decision-making. No, I, I, and,
1: listen, yeah. I understand that. And it's funny because uh, Urban Meyer is, you know, and again, he's a great coach, but uh, there's a, there's a history that goes along with him with, you know, and again, some of the players that have played for him, unfortunately, I, I am very familiar with, and our audience would probably know the Aaron Hernandez story, and and how you know, and how the Patriots had Aaron Hernandez and and Belichick's relationship to Urban Meyer. But yeah, it it, it is about the decisions that you make, the hires that you make, especially in the beginning. And listen, I I think Urban Meyer is a good coach, but I see where you're going on when you talk about. The different clubs that that the cons own and uh, listen. I I support the Jaguars. I I am glad that he's gone and move forward from that. But when we talk about Fulham, Giannis, bringing it back to Fulham, you can't like you said. You can't fault the players. You can't fault Parker. I think they've all done a tremendous job. Call you know with with a limited amount of time that they've had. And yes, we are seven points behind. But even if they don't make it. I'm still going to be very proud of this club. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be very proud of, of of this particular team. And you know what? I was thinking about this, and I'll say it right now. I think this is a very likable team. And I know that there are a lot of loans, and 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 we've heard all the talk about how many loans Fulham have. And but if you look at the players, you know they're likable players. You know, obviously there are some that you might like more th- than others, but. I like the way that this team is playing together as a unit, considering so many are on loan. And anyways, we could talk about that for days, my friend. But listen, coming up next, we're going to preview the upcoming match for Fulham against Burnley. Okay, Giannis, let's start here. Just give me your overall thoughts on Burnley.
2: Well, um, from a negative side, they're not right on the eye, they're not a purist no. team. <laughs> um, you know, they're um, they're not that much fun to watch. Turf is a difficult place to play. Sean Dyche is, um, um, you know, he's he's a manager who's, you know, he's, he's blue collar manager. He's been there for years. Yep. Um, year in year out, they're tipped to go down. But I'll tell you what, um, there isn't a harder working team than Burnley in the Premier League. I don't think any has done any more with any set of individuals in this league than Sean Dyche has done. He has he runs on shoestring budgets. He has um, he has created a team spirit which is in many ways unrivalled in the Premier League. He has um, he's got good players that have bought into his system. And although they don't score many goals, they're very, very difficult to break down. That's right. They hunt in packs. They're very well organized, and they're a good. They're, they're a side that I have a, a, a lot of time for. Not because of the style that they play, but because of the lack of resources that they have, and they give it everything. And you know, you gotta respect they,
1: that. I respect that. hugely
2: respect Burnley. I really do. And and uh, you can look at the big clubs and all the money that they've got. And you look at Burnley budget, and you just have to laugh. But um, this is going to be a very interesting game. We've we've not won up up turf more since fifty one. Ben, me as you know, is going to, is is out with a concussion. We're going to talk about that. That's a massive loss. Yep. But they have other people that can hurt us. This will be a very different different game than the Everton game, and I think it's no not going to be any less difficult for us. I think okay. um, it's going to be a very tough match, and I'm. I have a couple of concerns stemming from the Everton game that I'm going to be curious to see how they'll um, manifest itself in terms of the lineup and the formation that Scott okay. puts down like.
1: Oh, excellent. We're going to talk about that in just a bit because I definitely want your thoughts on what you think Scott Parker will do with the lineup and also the formation. That's very interesting you said. Well, let's focus a little bit more on Deitch because you said something that was interesting. You are talking about how they play for the manager, and uh, I will say that, again, I have much respect for Sean Deitch, but I think Burnley's identity is, is him. I, I think that they built this identity that is really all about – it starts with Sean Deitch, and uh, whether you like the style or not, it's something to be respected, Giannis. So let's talk a little bit more about him because, again, what's interesting about – Deitch is that I remember when they went down, they came right back up and now they've established themselves in the Premier League. Now they've they've teetered in a few seasons, but they usually find their footing and they're basically a mid table team or they could even go further up the table. And, and again, I think that this team plays in in the mirror of, of their manager.
2: Yeah, they absolutely, they absolutely do it. It's like when Eddie Howe lost his job at Bournemouth last year,
1: which is crazy to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because there's another manager similar to Deitch that I just don't understand that situation. But I don't know the Mormon situation that greatly. But
2: I think but he needed, again, a, yeah. I think he needed a break. I, to me, Eddie Howe's the next manager of Palace.
1: Okay. Um, he,
2: yeah, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, um, we love Roy to death. He's but he's 73. Um, he's out of contract at the end of the season. He, he's obviously going to have his, his, you know, trusty Ray Lewington, who we all love. Um, but Eddie Howe's looking for a position. He's going to go back in the Premier League. Which one is going to be open? It's probably going to be Palace if they don't go down. So that's great. But but Sean Dyche, um, you know, he's just he's what he's done is, has been is absolutely magnificent. They yep. have a and they have a very bad habit of embarrassing teams. The game against Palace on Saturday was an embarrassment oh, because Burnley oh, were two up in Torquay. I watched that entire match. Oh, they were excellent, and 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 Palace looked. Um, I did, I did, it's weird watching. it's weird watching Hodgson because you've got players, you know, I think, as they said, a very, very good season for them. But you've got players like uh, who who's now starting to play but wasn't playing for the longest time, who I think is a super player. But you take Zaha, and Zaha is a premier quality player that should be playing in Champions League. And now he's got his mood but swings. But you take him sort of,
1: out of the mix, as we're talking about with some of these other
2: teams, and they become ordinary
1: or even very less ordinary. than ordinary.
2: Very ordinary. They, and uh, so if they lose him, and I think they will at the end of this season, yeah, it's going to be a little bit, th- There's so many good players at the Palace have, and even on the bench. But I think they just need a change, a change of voice. With Sean Deitch, that's his team. Um, it's rare that we see that kind of loyalty in terms of um, club versus manager. And I was, uh, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday, about uh, Ralph Hausenhutl. At yes. Southampton two nine nothing defeats in place for twelve months. Are they going to fire him? Hell no! They've lost six on the chop, not playing well. But but Southampton love this manager, and they're on a bad run. But it's these you know it's, you know these you know ticky little owners that go oh, we're going to fire him there and run. no 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 it's the loyalty that does it. People will forget back in nineteen eighty seven that Sir Alex Ferguson was one game that's right away from being fired one game you stick to your guns you have faith in the process and that bubble you have faith in the person at the top and there's something egregious happens I still say for Fulham fans and I'll get some disagreement I thought we we suffered long and hard after we got rid of Malcolm Mcdonald in the early 80s you know he was a quality manager and he was loved and then we got we got rid of him and we it took us years to recover from that and we had a good thing, and we were on the verge of right. getting promoted to the top division. So with Dykes, they've stuck to him, and I think it's brilliant. And yep. it means that every time you play Burnley, you know you're in for a fight. <laughs> I totally agree, it's, uh
1: And that's kind of where we're going to go on this. But I, I, I do want to talk about this because you, you've mentioned this, and let's let's go here next. Because I think this is huge for this upcoming match. Ben Mee is ruled out for the match. Yeah. And I do ha- have a couple comments I, I want to share uh, that people are commenting, and I, I'll, I'll share this uh, in just a second about this. But just your thoughts on this, because, again, I don't think this is a small loss. This is your captain, and uh, I'm talking about for Burnley. So how big of a loss? You said you think it's significant. How significant?
2: I think it's significant, but I don't think it's necessarily massive. And, and, and the reason is um, if you look at the makeup of the back, you got you, Nick Pope, one of the best keepers in the division. Yep. Should be England... I'm sorry, not Pickford. Pickford gives me ulcers. Pope should be our starting Uh, goalkeeper. You've got James Tarkovsky, who, let's not forget, is an England fullback. That's right. Matt Loughton was superb against Palace. This is not... We found out in the FA Cup game when we lost 3-0 that when they bought some of their... uh, Steve Naismith would say, bring the scrubs in, right? But (laughs) when he bought some of the scrubs in, their scrubs made us look stupid. That's right. So... Ben, me, he, he was injured earlier in the season and they really, really missed him. Yes. But Tarkovsky and me have really improved in their form. And, you know, you've got other players, um, you know, like McNeil, like, I mean, Ashley Barnes that you lose, you lose Chris Wood, but Matty Vedra, who has been this almost like the, you know, um, Dwight girl hop around club kind of thing, <laughs> but, but but uh, Vija's contributed goals. You've got Wood gone, but then James Rodriguez always scores goals against us.
1: He does. And that's, that also scares me. I'm glad that you brought him up because we'll we'll talk about him when we talk about players that concern you for this match. So again, I agree with you, you know, I think it's a loss and I just want to share this comment. We're very reliant on Ben me and he is out. Yes, I'm aware of that. And then, uh, follows this up. If you can test Kevin Long, you will score. So again, good points, but they do have other players that they can rely on different positions. But I, listen, I don't want to, you know, just look at it, Giannis, and, and say it's not a loss because they did struggle without him.
2: But they're on a, but they're in a rich vein of form. And I think with Burnley, yep. if you look at their whole team, they're the, this, they're the sum of their parts. Yep. Deitch will look at that and say, okay, we've lost our captain, but how do we fill in? Um, they, to me, they're a better back four than Everton. I mean, and and, and if you look back to Everton, one of the things I f- that I first noticed when I saw the lineup, wait a minute, Yerry Mina's not playing. Yeah, like, why isn't he in there? I mean, that's that, you know, he's he's a monster at the back, and he's and he's you know. Real solid pass. Well, I've seen Brilliant. a lot of
1: criticism from the Everton supporters about the lineup decisions from Carol Ancelotti against Fulham.
2: Yeah, defensively it looked a little it looked a little rubbery. You had James Rodriguez come in, but it was a cold day. I mean, he's not in. It's not in Bogota now. It's in Liverpool for crying out loud. But you know, again, defensively, if they've got a lack of cover with me not being there, this, the, the defensive midfield will, will hunt and packs to drop. It's going to be um, me as a significant. Um, if it was me on another team, I'd worry more than me on this team because collectively they will cover for that. I, I just think that I Because really they play like together it. as they a team. They play together as a team, and you've yeah. got a very good keeper who's difficult That's a good beat. point. And, and Turf is a tough ground. because if you've ever been up there, and it's, I have it a couple of times, it's bloody cold. It's really, really cold and biting, and you need lots of Bovril at halftime. And um, you're going up there for a six o'clock kickoff. Yeah. And you're just coming off the euphoria of a huge win at Goodison Park, and you know we saw what happened against Liverpool at home when we were fantastic with our two thousand fans. Then seventy two hours later, we we were back to play Brighton, and we we didn't look the same team. We got the no, ball not out of it. So you know, there's the impact that we as, as Scotty, he can't say, okay, well Ben, Mee's not there. We're laughing. No, because if you do that. You'll go back to a FA Cup game where they—they they, they, let's be honest—they spanked us. It wasn't three nothing. wasn't it? I mean, it really. Wasn't well, we're going to talk
1: about that because I, I want to see what Scott Parker can learn from that, you know, So I'm glad that you brought that up. But as we're talking about them, I, I think this is a good time to to uh, focus on it because you're talking about some key players. So who really concerns you on Burnley as we look forward to this match? That Scott Parker has to look at. Listen, we we need to contain these players or. or or not get affected as much by them.
2: Who really concerns you in Burnley? Ashley Barnes. He's he's a very very clever player, and uh, if you know, he um, he's one of those. He's uh, in many ways I think he's the Harrison Reed, but in a different position. He doesn't want work, stop working. He makes it difficult for defenders. He closes space down. He can cross a ball. He can shoot. He can head, and he's not. And when he tackles. He doesn't put attackers tackles in. He puts midfielders tackles in. He's a tough little lad, and he's um, he's he's in many ways. I think he's in many ways the microcosm that is Burnley Football Club. He represents them better than Ben Me. I, I think he's one of those players. Yeah, he's 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 one of those players who he's pest-like, um, but <laughs> he but not not, not nasty pest-like. He's productive pest-like. It isn't right. go out and do a Joey Barton and kick people for the sake of kicking them. He He's a team player, and he and very often you'll see him dropping around his box or coming back to defend set pieces. He's a good, good player, and he will produce something out of nothing. So he worries me. If Chris Wood, Wood and me together – sorry, Wood and um, Barnes cause a problem, but yep. Rodriguez – has a great scoring record against us, and we have to be very good. Because I
1: believe Wood is a doubt so, for this match as well. Yeah, so
2: Rodriguez may play. Vidra doesn't worry me so much, but I'm not going to downplay him because he still brings lots of energy. But right. Rodriguez has the ability to score um, for sure. Sure, so we can't we can't underestimate the fact that they've only scored, you know, 17 league games or 17 goals all season. But They can still score. And as far as Deitch is concerned, he'll say, "Well, I don't care if we win it one nothing, as long as we win it one nothing." So, you know, it's it's uh, sure. you know they're not going to concede many. It's just it's, they're not going to score many, and, and it's sort of not too dissimilar to our pattern. Our yep. our form has improved because defensively we've got much much tighter, and I think that's a key. Okay, excellent. I do want to share this with you because I know you're going to
1: appreciate it. this. is from my friend Chris. I've been to Turf Moor. I can vouch it's really
2: cold there. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> it 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 is the coldest. <clears throat> the coldest uh, stadium i've ever been to Russ, in well, in the uk is aberdeen i mean that's just it's just the oh yeah. my god um but burnley, burnley burnley's is right up one, there. burnley's right up there it, it's <laughs> it it is it is freaking cold um and um you got the winds usually by t- coming in from the north stand and it is but then they were at Goodison park on sunday and it was cold there it, was. it was windy and um you, if you've ever been to Everton, they, their fans are very, very loud. Um, and I can understand why teams go there and just yep. freeze. But not having fans... Look what Liverpool game, Russ. Look at what happened when we had 2,000 in the stands. It oh, I know. Like, it's it, incredible. It did. It did. Oh, and Boundary. CG, a CG just put the old, coldest ground in England is Oldham. Boundary Park. Yeah, I think he's probably right. I've been Oldham <laughs> too. Holy crap. <laughs> that, was, that was interesting. I went to a game in 84, 83, 84, up a Boundary Park. Yeah. Oh, and I think they may have had a plastic pitch then. <laughs> they might have done. And my God, it was cool. I, there were parts of my body I lost that day. I don't think I've ever got back. <laughs> it was so cold. But the more north and it's a north, you know, yeah. northwest, northeast it gets. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah Boundary
2: oh. Park, oh, lordy. Well, you
1: know, don't get get me started about cold weather games because I could talk to you about a Patriots game. No one wants to hear that about, you know, and Chris, who happens to be a Patriots fan, Chris, I'm going to admit this on the show, and I'm I'm doing it for you, just for you. I went to a Patriots game where it was the coldest Patriots game I've ever been to, and I left at halftime. Yes, Chris, I'm admitting this. I left at halftime. My family stayed. I've never heard the end of it. They got to see the end of it. They were actually inside, uh, like, um, uh, you know, not a sweep, but inside they want, they watched it more inside, but I went home and I never heard the end of it. Uh, it was against the Denver Broncos because the Patriots came all the way back and won, never heard the end of it. So, so, uh, yeah. Um, talk about cold games. That's just for you, Chris, by the way, and (laughs) no one else uh, that's watching this will understand, but I'm sure you think it was 2012 or 2013. Anyways, Yes, yeah, I do want to share this because because we are talking about crowds and uh I'm just looking for the comment from our from our our friend uh Chris Davidson because I think this is significant. And this goes to what we we're talking about at Everton and we talk about the record not having fans. No fans has changed all this that there are difficult places to go. Chris is right. You know, and like you said, you know, even for us playing at home, having those fans there for the Liverpool match and then you don't have them it, it changes a lot, Giannis. So, with everything that I hear about the history of Turf Moor, that I heard about Goodison Park, this might be the equalizer, not having fans there.
2: I agree. And, you know, we've got to go to Sellers Park as well. And having, you know, I used to live um, literally one street away from, from the Holmesdale Road end at oh, Sellers didn't know Park. That. Yes, I did uh, for a number of years. And, and it was, um, uh, if, if there were, if Fulham games were off, I'd go down to see Palace play. And when Charlton played it, Charlton played back uh, them uh, many years. And Wimbledon used to play at Sellers Park, because it were another little thing. But wow. um, it, Palace fans are loud, like really loud. And they have suffered. Their home record is not good. And I think a lot of that is they don't have the fans. Yep. The, the The home versus away results this year. It's crazy. The four divisions is crazy. And our waveform speaks. Our waveform has been comfortably better than home. We just don't. Although we've got the dimensions of the home thing, because yep. um, Craven Cottage is so on top of the fans and it's so tight and compact, um, we've not been able to benefit from that. we not having the fans, so Burnley at home is Burnley away from home is a difficult proposition. But because there are no fans, it makes it not having to listen to those Burnley accents, um, you know, heaping v- vile and venom on their 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 posh soft London. London team, as they say, you know, soft Londoners. But so it gives us a chance at least to not get insulted and what have you. And um because let's be honest, it's tough enough to go up there and get a result. Um So if you're going to get something in your advantage from no crowds, take it. Yeah,
1: absolutely, honest, absolutely. When it comes to well, listen, we all wish that that fans were able to return, and, and uh, I don't care who it is, I, I want fans to return. But I, but under the circumstances, it actually I think benefits Fulham on the road at Turf Moor. But let's talk about this. Let's uh, let's move forward in our preview because I was talking you about this off air that I, I was initially going to have you look at this like uh, what can you learn from this? But no, no, no. What can Scott Parker learn from this? Because what's interesting, when you look at it as a manager and listen, you, you are a coach so you can really look at this. So Fulham were outclassed in an FA Cup match like you said and they were using backups and our backup their backups basically did a did a number on us I, you know and so again what can Scott Parker learn from this and take into this match because that to me you know in a weird way playing burnley in the FA Cup match might benefit him because it might give them a strategy to beat Burnley. Not, not that they wouldn't already have one, but they might have more of a blueprint because they already played Burnley.
2: I think, I think he, I'd think i be surprised if he doesn't adopt the same approach as Sean Deitch is, will approach, which is don't look at our 3 nothing win down at the Cottage and think that it's going to be indicative of the game that's going to come. Deitch will, uh, is smart enough to know that, you know what, he looked at our lineup, he saw probably saw number three Ream and went, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, but okay, we now know what's gonna happen here. And, and they they tonked us that day. Burnley were excellent and really we never got a foot in. Um, that's not our strongest lineup, that wasn't their strongest lineup, and I think Parker will look at it the same way. I think he's gonna say, Well, you know, we had the lineup that we did, we're gonna go up there. We know it's gonna be a difficult game, we have to play them twice. Um, but they, they're missing, obviously, a vital centre-back. But yep. we know this is going to be a physical game. We're going to have to get off to the same sort of start we did against Everton. Um, I don't think he's going to... He, he'd be foolish. I think he'd be foolish to to base this game on what I'm in mean, the FA Cup game. I, right. I just think it's a different circumstance. Um, but the one thing he will say is, boys, if you think Goodison Park was tough, wait till you get to Turf Moor. Burnley right. are going to come at us in... Droves. This will be a physical, brutal game and be ready.
1: Okay. Very good there, my friend. All right. So I like to do this, you know, and again, I don't know many other shows that, that do it this way. We, I usually do it with the guests, but I'm going to pose it to you. We're going to look at it from both perspectives, not just the phone perspective. We're going to look at it from the Burnley perspective. So I'm going to put you in the shoes of Sean Dyche, Giannis. How does
2: Burnley win this match? They used the energy they used in the first twelve minutes against Palace on Saturday. Uh, they came out guns flying, and Palace looked like they'd, they'd, they'd been drunk in the pub. And um, Burnley absolutely outclassed them. And I think he's going to he's going to he's going to warn his lads that look, um, they, Fulham have just had a very good result at Everton. Um, but you know what? They've had to travel up on a Sunday. They've traveled down on a Sunday night. Now they've got to travel up on a Wednesday. Um, we know what they can do, but this will be a tough game. They're playing for their lives. Um, you better get. This is going to be a blue-collar match, and you better get down and dirty because it's going to be tough. Just yep. He will keep them. I find that, that Sean deitch uh, Burnley teams tend to be very terra firma. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. Um and uh, they They, they do what they do as we say here. They do what they do.
1: Okay.
2: So I think he'll be very focused and ready. And I don't, I don't believe for a moment that he'll underestimate us.
1: Okay. Now you're in the shoes of Scott Parker.
2: How does Fulham win this match? I think a lot's going to have to depend on the lineup. Um, I'm a little worried. It was it was a it was a pretty bruising match on Sunday. We saw Magic come off the uh, Magic come off, you know, limping. We saw Lamina come off limping. Yeah. Um, do you utilize Angisa? I think you have to in this game. I don't think he's got any choice. Um, does Robinson get utilized here? Because I mean, he didn't say anything in the in the pre. He did um, not.
1: I was looking but- for. You. He did not talk about injuries or anything in the in his uh, presser, which I don't know why he didn't. I, I don't think he was even asked Giannis, but he didn't. And actually that little bit concerned me. So it's funny because uh, I actually had a good friend message me and actually reminded me of uh, Maja coming off limping And, uh, you know, and I remember Lamina coming off. They both did. So let's just hope that it was just from the effort and maybe, you know, you know, again, that they would, you know, that it wasn't really just an injury. It was just from, from the play of, of the match and they're going to be okay. But it's something, something to, to really think about, you know, the lineup and that's, you know, and we're definitely going to get to that next, Giannis, because I, I want to fast forward over there to starting 11 in formation.
2: Okay? Oh. This, yeah, this
1: is going to be interesting, Giannis, because there's a part of me that says stick with what we just did against Everton, play the same formation, if you can, if everyone is fit, play the exact same team. What would you do? So I'm asking you for a starting eleven in formation against Burnley, which we know is a completely different – it's going to be a completely different style. So what do you do if you're Scott Parker? What would you do?
2: I think the biggest conversation he would have had with his coaching staff this season came on Monday morning because he would have said, he'd say, look, we've got Burnley, we've got to go up there, but we've got Sheffield United's out what, how did the players, you know, how do the players feel after the game? Right. Do they have any bumps and bruises? Is it such that because of the side of, our, side of our size of our squad, we're going to have to perhaps prioritize here? Do we rest a couple of players and keep them back for the Sheffield United game at home? Because that's a much more winnable game. And because if we go guns blazing and something goes wrong we risk having problems coming. It's Sheffield United, I think it's a very difficult... Three games in six days is incredibly difficult. Yeah. But I think these three games are huge. And I think the selection is going to be a problem because we don't know the extent of the injuries thing. So I'm going to... So I think for the back, I think obviously Ariel is the first in the team sheet. You've got your back three. I think you keep... Them there, I think for the midfield. Would you stick
1: with a back three?
2: Um, I think I, I think I would, I think I would, against Burnley. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Um, and that's nothing against them. I just think that because of, a lot of their attacks will tend to come through the middle. Got to keep an eye on McNeil because he's, he's a crafty little player. But I keep it at three just to take that momentum from the Everton game. But then the midfield is where Reed. I'm assuming he's going to be okay. I think Anguissa has to start inst- instead of Lamina, okay. and, and that would be for a break. Um, do you stick with Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Yes, I think I do. There, 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 was, um, there were moments of sheer magic on Sunday and okay. moments of sheer frustration. Is this, this is the sort of game that if he's on the ball, they're going to clatter him. And he's oh, gonna absolutely. Have to get, he's going to have to have to <laughs> wisen up to that. There is part of me that's thinking maybe you give Josh Arnema a game. Oh, okay. Um, I'm just. I, I'm worried about the energy levels because Saturday's thing. But I'd stick to those. Three. Well, that, that's interesting
1: because you really have to manage. You're not just managing this match. You're managing the upcoming Sheffield United match. And listen, we could talk about which one's more winnable. And uh, I don't like doing that because I like focusing on one match at a time. But if you're Scott Parker, you have to look at the bigger picture. You you yes. have to focus on not just on this match, but on Sheffield United because you don't want to leave yourself in a pickle for that match, which on the face of it, I hate to say, is more winnable. It's more winnable. And out of the two, that's the one I, you know, and they're both very important, but that's the one that you really are. You're targeting a win in both, but that one seems more more winnable, and I, I hate going there on that, but that's how I feel. Okay. Go ahead, Giannis, with your, your uh, starting line.
2: Now, the, with the up front, this is going to cause some some, tongue, some tongues wagging. Um, uh, Nitro's L-
1: out, so we can just roll him
2: out. He's yeah, out. Nitro's out. Uh, Lukman, I think, has to start. He's got lots of energy. That was very dangerous on Sunday. I mean, he had, he had an extra yard because he was against his, his former team. Although, somebody put up a very, a very amusing picture of the year that he played for Everton that he was caught wearing a, a watch. I've never ever seen... A player wearing a watch during a game—that was a—that was an odd one. But each to his own. Um, okay. Bobby Day could do a read on the right hand. I mean, he's just just that that flick from the corner that yep. hit the post in the first half was so audacious. Yep. If that had gone in, that might have been one of the goals of the season. Up front, um, in the middle, I'm not going to pick Major. Really? No, I'm going to. I would. Pick, Wait a minute. You're going to go with Calv? Yes, I am. Wow. And the reason I'm going to go with Kevin, wow, Giannis. But but I'm just I'm I'm thinking outside the box here. I think that okay, Madge has just come over from Bordeaux. He had a sort of okay. you know, little little appearance against you know against the spammers, and he's played very well. But um, I think he, I think Scotty wore Scotty said something at the end of the game. I thought was telling when he said, you know what, he's a young lad. We don't want to put all these pressures on his shoulders. We want to gently get him in, what have you. I think that he'll keep him back for the Sheffield United game. And I think that, that Cav, he's a very good option to bring off the bench. Okay. Really, okay. If, it, if it's nil-nil, 25, 30 minutes to go, okay, Josh, go do your thing. Go run around. But I okay. think with, it's an away game. Cav can hold the ball up. Um, it's not that he's, he can't score for a lick, but um, he'll do his job in terms of yep. you know his work rate. I know it's tempting to put him in. Can M- Major play three games in six days? Um I, I'm not I don't no, I think it's a risk and I, I play Cav. Um and I know okay. I'm gonna get a lot of stakes. So let's for that. go back
1: let's go back to the line because you, you said you were going to have back three. I am assuming you you're going back three of Aina, Tosin, Anderson.
2: Oh, and Tete would be in Tetty would go into sort into the middle as the wing back.
1: Okay. And then who's on who's on who's on the other side?
2: Not sure. Okay I I am I'm, I'm not sure. I mean there's there's an argument for Anderson to come in. Um be, or sorry Anderson, Anderson Robinson to come in because he didn't Robinson to come and in. I think I mean and and you've got to look at him because he'll or, he'll or that you even Bobby Decker Dover read out. That's the problem. I'm I'm weighing that out because Decker Dover read I think it probably covered as much or almost as much ground as, as, as Reedy did.
1: His pressing was excellent. You go back and watch yeah. that. His pressing was was you know yeah. again that's that's the that's the grafting. That's the hard work that gets lost in a victory like that. You go back and you watch, and you watch him. Just again, we we're focusing on Harrison Reed, but it's the play of someone like him that gets that that doesn't get noticed enough in that victory. You know, go yeah. back and watch it. I've I've now watched it three times. I
2: hate to admit. It's great, it was that, uh, super performance. And by I, the way, just as an off an aside. Yep. You know, you can shove Harry Winks and Declan Rice and all these bollocks. <laughs> uh, Gareth Southgate needs to come out and watch Harrison replay. Okay, no, I'm, I'm, and I'm being and I'm, I'm okay. I'm not, I, okay I, so I,
1: you're,
2: I mean, <laughs> so you're
1: so you're unsure is. on on the other fullback.
2: No, um... I, yeah, I am a little um, okay, but because I I'll tell you why I'm because, sorry, because Scotty said so little after the game about injuries yeah. that it's making me wonder if he's gonna we're gonna get the, the lineup line up an hour before tomorrow and go oh What's happened there? We know Mitchell's out, but but see, he hasn't told us, you know, see, the recovery, I think that, recovery I right? Think,
1: I think there might be something going on. That's why I put up the graphic about Maja and Lamina. Now, I could be wrong, or or there could be someone else that we're not aware of, but I, I just find it fascinating that we don't know anything. And he normally does say something. Yes, he does. He said nothing. I mean, he usually even comes out and says it. He yep. said nothing. So that kind of... Makes me think, uh-oh, is something going on. But again, only time will tell. And I think, you know, we listen, we could be surprised when we see it. But Giannis, we need to finish up. Okay, we, we need need to finish up this episode. You know, it's funny, you and I talked about we go about a half hour, forty five minutes. We, we we get going and we just keep going because um, <laughs> it, it's been a wonderful show as always, just me and you talking. But we have to end with your prediction. And fans, if you're watching live, feel free to share your prediction. Giannis, give me your prediction. I'll give you mine.
2: Nil nil. Oh, really? Nil nil. And and you know what? To be honest, I would take a nil nil. I would take a draw. Would up a you really? More. Yeah, I would. Because if you look at um, because Burnley are playing well, and uh, they were very good against Palace, and and they've crept up the table and deservedly so. There've been no flukes here. Uh, Sheffield United uh, were very poor yesterday. Palace are an absolute wreck. And and I, I, I'm certain we're going to win at Salah's Park. I, okay. I, so a draw would be um, – I think a draw would be – Emilio was
1: thinking that he, he would be okay with a draw against Burnley. He just doesn't yeah. want to lose against Burnley, which I completely understand. He was putting more importance on Sheffield United. And like you're saying, I believe he also was thinking about Crystal Palace ahead. So hmm. I understand that. So – I understand why you're going going for for nil nil. And listen, I want to give credit to my friend here, who I believe is a Burnley supporter. He's going one one, and and uh, fair by you. You know, it's funny. I, I I was I was listening to a podcast, and all the um, people on the podcast were predicting a Burnley win. And I, listen, I understand that. And uh, what's interesting, my friend, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say a one one draw. You went nil nil. I can't stand. That. I, I can't go for nil nil again. <laughs> We've done too many. I'm <laughs> gonna, but I want to preface this. Fulham need to go for the victory. They need to go for the victory. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with my friend here. I'm gonna say one-one. But I'm gonna share some more predictions here. This is for my friend Chris. He's going with a Fulham victory. Chris, thank you very much for that. Stefan says one 0 to Fulham. I've got Chris Davidson. Let's see, if we got I'm going with. I'm just sharing all these predictions, Brian Lake. 1-1 one, one, Maja off the bench to equalize. So he's going with you with uh, Josh Maja coming coming off the bench. So we'll we'll see what happens, my friend. But listen, I know we have to wrap up this show. Final thoughts before we go.
2: I'm just checking the weather for tomorrow night in Burnley. Um, What's the weather? Looks, well, uh, it's, well forecast for tomorrow is 9 degrees. Um, okay. so, so that's 48 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not feels bad. Feels like six, um, and it's going to rain. <laughs> it's Burnley, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> that's what it does up there. Burnley, Bolton, Blackburn, Blackpool, Liverpool, May. it's all bloody rain, so it's going to be rainy, but um, it's going to be fairly mild. I think it's going to be – I'm looking forward to I think it's going to be a good game between two very hard-working teams and two very well-coached teams too, and um, I, I really do believe it will be honest. even. Of course, I hope we nick okay. it in the last minute, but I, I think it'll, I think no, no, will be probably what we're looking at tomorrow. What we'll say.
1: Okay. Okay. I will say this because a dream of mine is that someday I can have two to three weeks holiday vacation that I can go to England. And one of the things I want to do is I just don't want to go to London. I want to go everywhere. I actually want to go to Burnley. I, I do. I want to go to, I want to, I want to, to surf <laughs> more. I actually do. I was thinking about while we're talking about. It's like, I actually want to go there i, w- I want to see that i i, I want to go there i want to experience that i want to experience some of these other uh stadiums that you've been talking about i you know i don't care i want to i want to go to all of them and uh, because um that's actually something that i've always wanted to do here go to the different stadiums and 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 uh and visit these cities and towns and is uh, actually one of them that i, I that i do want to go to i don't i don't care that it's called Giannis. i, I want to go there
2: it's a proper. Care. I mean, the thing about Burnley. I live in uh, Massachusetts,
1: a, Giannis. Come on, right.
2: Burnley's. Would, Burnley's a. Burnley's what I would. Um, Burnley's what I would t- call a proper football club, and yes. I mean, I mean that in the. I mean that in the nicest terms. They're, they're a proper football club. They've always been well run. They've got a great history. Um, I have to and, share and this. I have fans. to
1: share this. No, you don't. <laughs> For me saying that, I. I'm like, no, I actually do. I. I do. I do want to go there. I actually do. You know, I you know, I I want to go all over England and and Scotland I, I, and Wales. I I want to I want to do it right. I, I will I,
2: stop here, Wales. I went to university there. We'll, we'll have a chat about that with you. Okay. I? Okay. So,
1: okay. There's... Giannis, I lost you for a second. Listen, we are going to have to wrap up the show because I know Giannis has to leave. For Giannis Giannas, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute